Our reading this evening is from 2 Corinthians chapters 1 and 2. I call God to witness against me. It was to spare you that I refrained from coming again to Corinth. Not that we lord it over your faith, but we work with you for your joy, for you stand firm in your faith. For I made up my mind not to make another painful visit to you. For if I cause you pain, who is there to make me glad but the one whom I have pained? And I wrote as I did, so that when I came, I might not suffer pain from those who should have made me rejoice. For I felt sure of all of you, that my joy would be the joy of you all. For I wrote to you out of much affliction and anguish of heart and with many tears, not to cause you pain, but to let you know the abundant love that I have for you. Now, if anyone has caused pain, he has caused it not to me, but in some measure, not to put it too severely, to all of you. For such a one, this punishment by the majority is enough. So you should rather turn to forgive and comfort him or he may be overwhelmed by excessive sorrow. So I beg you to reaffirm your love for him, for this is why I wrote, that I might test you and know whether you are obedient in everything. Anyone whom you forgive, I also forgive. Indeed, what I have forgiven, if I have forgiven anything, has been for your sake in the presence of Christ, so that we would not be outwitted by Satan, for we are not ignorant of his designs." When I came to Troas to preach the gospel of Christ, even though a door was opened for me in the Lord, my spirit was not at rest because I did not find my brother Titus there. So I took leave of them and went on to Macedonia. But thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved. And among those who are perishing... To one, a fragrance from death to death. To the other, a fragrance from life to life. Who is sufficient for these things? For we are not, like so many, peddlers of God's word, but as men of sincerity, as commissioned by God, in the sight of God, we speak in Christ. O Lord, have mercy on us. Thanks be to God. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We are not ignorant of his designs, the plans of Satan. He's not so sophisticated. He's clever and knowledgeable, crafty, but he's not that deep. And his plans, his designs are simple. So St. Paul says we want to watch out to make sure we're not being outwitted by Satan. Here are his plans. On the one hand, he loves to entice people to sin, to draw them into unrighteousness so that then he can show them their guilt and tell them that God does not love them because of their sin. Having done that, sometimes the gospel enters in and comforts a person and shows them what Jesus has done, forgives their sins, and encourages them towards righteousness, at which point Satan has a separate plan, a different plan, to swing things in the other direction. Now he starts to focus on polishing people up, taking care of what's on the outside, but leaving the heart quite untouched. So on the one hand, he'd love for people to make a mess of their lives, but recognizing that a mess is not good, 
he'd then like them to just polish up what's on the outside and leave the inside untouched. Jesus talks this way to the Pharisees. You've heard this before. He comes to them with his woes. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you clean the outside of the cup and the plate, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. You are whitewashed tombs, he says. It looks good from the outside. It looks nice from the outside, but inside are dead bodies. That's Satan's plan, which is afoot among the Corinthians. So he has, to this point, enticed them into all kinds of wickedness. That's what we hear about in Paul's tearful letter, 1 Corinthians. A letter that he wrote with much anguish and sorrowing affliction and insincerity. They were going astray, making a mess of their lives individually and their lives together as a church. Paul sent his helper, Timothy, and he sent a letter, 1 Corinthians, and he charged them to turn away from their sin, to repent, and to take anyone who was refusing to turn away from their sin and cast him out so that they would learn repentance. Well, along the way, everything seems to have changed. The Corinthians took his words to heart, and now they are taking care of business, but they are at risk of falling prey to Satan's other plan. St. Paul says, whatever you're doing to those who will have turned from their sins, make sure that you do not overwhelm them by excessive sorrow. I'm not interested, St. Paul says, in having you just polish up what's on the outside. What I'm interested in is the heart. That you love one another. That you not just make one another shape up, but that you love one another. The goal is always this, forgiveness and a restoration of joy. Among those who desire to do righteousness, among those like the Corinthians, who have reckoned with their sins and want to do better, there's always this risk of a, a spirit of great concern, of concern for how things look, for how things appear. And to be concerned with that seems good. From the outside, it gives a good witness to the world. But if it's not motivated by genuine love for one another, if it's not motivated by and aim at repentance and a restoration of joy, then it's just leading somebody into slavery. Then it's just treating one another like tools and like pawns. It is no good. It's not the gospel. And so St. Paul writes to the Corinthians today, watch out. Make sure that whoever has sinned and you have forgiven him, make sure that you do not overwhelm him with excessive sorrow. Whatever you've forgiven, Paul says, I've forgiven. It's already been written off, and that's the glory of the gospel. It's all already been written off in Christ Jesus. In the blood of Jesus, the debt has already been paid, and so when someone repents, there is nothing more to do. There's no more debt to be paid, no penance to be done, nothing to do to make up for it. It is simply done and gone with. That's what repentance means. It means believing that Christ has already sacrificed for your sins. Paul does not want the Corinthians to, satisfy, to be satisfied or to settle with anything less than repentance and reconciliation. That means that forced apologies, what we do with our kids when we make them say, I'm sorry and I forgive you, that is not the way of mature Christians. That's a stepping stone along the way. But the goal for Christians is sincerity. What Paul shows from his own heart. Listen again to how he describes the work that he has done in writing to the Corinthians. I wrote to you out of much affliction and anguish of heart, and with many tears, not to cause you pain, 
but to let you know the abundant love that I have for you. It is in that revelation of abundant love that the gospel goes to work. When God sent his son to die on the cross for the sins of the world, it was not to cause us pain. Although it may do that, when we look at Jesus on the cross and we reckon with our sins, it may cause us pain. The goal was not pain, but instead to show us his love. And so when we look at the cross of Jesus, we should not feel sorry for ourselves. We should not feel bad about ourselves, but instead we should rejoice in the love that God has for us. The only thing that will do is genuine love. That's the only thing that cures sin. That's the only thing that cleans up messy lives as well as not just dealing with the outside, but with what is on the inside. It may be accepted or rejected. The Corinthians could take Paul's words and they could say, we don't want any of this. We're not interested in your sincere love. We just want to do things our own way, and that is fine. They could certainly do that. But genuine love, when it is rejected, brings judgment. When it is, however, received, as it is received through the Son of God, through Jesus Christ and his blood for us, when it is received, it is life and eternal joy. That's what God has given to us. That's the way of the gospel. It is completely contrary to the way of the devil. It is a way of freedom. And it is a way we must learn in this life. We are so tempted, we're always enticed by these snares of the devil to follow our own hearts or just to polish up what is on the outside. What God wants to do for you, what he is constantly doing for you through his word, is giving you a new heart, cleaning the inside and not the outside, restoring you to newness of life, giving you his own spirit. Don't settle for anything less than that in your own life or for your brothers and sisters. It's always repentance. It's always the restoration of joy. It's always life together eternally in God's kingdom. That, that's what we're aiming at. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.